This is the Kenny and JT Show on News Talk 1480 WHBC. A sad day in the Steel City as Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Fame running back, NFL icon. He was part of the greatest play voted on in NFL history, the Immaculate Reception. They were going to honor the 50th anniversary of that play with him and retire his number Saturday when the Steelers hosted the Raiders. Franco Harris passed away at the age of 72. We've been talking about it on the show today. Dave Motts with some great stories. who used to work at the Hall of Fame and knew Franco Harris. And our next guest knew him as well as a friend and covering him uh, over the years. He's been uh, in Pittsburgh as the godfather of Pittsburgh sports. Joining us right now on the hotline is Stan Saverin. Stan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm guessing for you and everybody uh, there in Pittsburgh, a very, very tough day. Very sad, Kenny. Shocking. Um, there had been no indication. There's you know, really been no release from the Harris family. Uh, if Franco had been suffering from uh, any kind of disease, by all accounts, um, he was not. Uh, he made a TV appearance uh, as recently as yesterday afternoon. Uh, so, yeah, deeply saddened, uh, deeply shocked. It brings back a trove of memories um, of not just a great football player, but really a great human being. He meant so much to Western Pennsylvania. You saw him just a few days ago, Stan. Uh, how was he then? And I know he'd been doing a lot of media leading up to this special weekend coming up. Yeah, he had a TV appearance regarding that just yesterday. Um, the only recent account, I had Jack Ham uh, on my show today. And, of course, he and, and Franco were teammates at Penn State. So Jack Ham knew him before you know we were ever really uh, aware of Franco. Um, and apparently... Um, uh, his uh, wife and son, uh, he had been sleeping on the couch, Franco had, and um, that's apparently where he passed away. But there's been no other release as to, you know, had there been some underlying condition. Um, that's why it came as such a shock. And, of right. course, you know, the bitter irony, just a few days before he was going to have his jersey retired. Um, the one solace I do take, Kenny, um, Franco uh, took such joy uh, in knowing that his jersey was going to be retired. It's only the third jersey in Steeler history to be retired. Followed, uh, he would be following Ernie Stautner and Joe Green. And it meant so much to him because he truly loved the Steeler organization, was so proud of his part in it and what they had accomplished. And I, I suppose if there is any uh, slightly good news, is that it wasn't a surprise. In other words, it wasn't as though they were going to surprise him with this honor Saturday night. He knew about it a couple of months ago, and so he takes that with him. Yeah, I saw a picture online. He was posing with Terry Bradshaw in a a T-shirt, I believe, with the logo of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Stan, do we know how many of the teammates were or will be on hand for this dedication uh, this, uh, I guess we'll call it a service now, uh, Saturday night? I don't know the exact number, JT. I do know that a number of the Raiders are going to be there. Wow. Um, guys wow. like uh, Phil Villapiano uh, and, you know, some of those guys who played in that game for the then Oakland Raiders are going to be present for that presentation. Um, I'm told that they're going to proceed with whatever it is they had planned. Um, and they're not going to alter that, obviously, other than, you know, Franco's presence. Uh, but they are going to continue with the ceremony. I cannot give you an exact number. Uh, I would feel uh, pretty certain 
that the players who still live in and around Pittsburgh, uh, like an Andy Russell, uh, like uh, a Rocky Blyer, uh, those guys are all planning to be there. Yeah, and maybe more now, unfortunately, will come uh, mm-hmm. because of the passing of Franco Harris. As on Friday, officially, December 23rd, it would have been 50 years uh, to the day the Immaculate Reception happened. And celebrating that as the greatest play in NFL history. Uh, and Stan, what, what do you remember about that play and how that impacted not only uh, the Steelers organization, um, the city of Pittsburgh, but Franco Harris from that point forward as well? Well, I think it put them on the map. Uh, you know, everybody understands that they had been in the league for 40 years and had never accomplished anything. Uh, the 72 appearance was their first playoff appearance ever in those 40 years. Uh, uh, the one thing that I take with me about that play is that in some sort of obtuse way, uh, I think it, the, the immaculate reception, uh, in some cases, does Franco kind of a disservice because I think people, perhaps certainly outside of Pittsburgh in western Pennsylvania, they know Franco from that play. And oftentimes that play just overshadowed what a great player he was. Uh, I think people associate him so uh, closely with the play, and obviously he caught the ball. And uh, it was ironic because he was actually supposed to be blocking on the play. But when he saw that uh, Bradshaw was in trouble, he did what he was coached to do, Get open. Um, that's that's what he did. But he, the play called for him to be back in blocking, and he only got out in the backfield, out of the backfield, when he saw Bradshaw scrambling because of the Raider pass rush. But, but I, I often wonder if people don't associate himself, uh, Franco, so closely with that particular play that they forget what a great player he was. You know, yeah. he was the uh, rookie of the year in 1972. Um, he'd already, you know, shown what a great player he was uh, going to be and was at that point. Uh, and I'm just wondering if people perhaps you know, ignore the fact that um, at the time of his retirement, he was third in rushing all time just behind Walter Payton and Jimmy Brown. That's such an iconic play, though. I'm, I'm always reminded by one of our high school coaches always said, great players make great plays. And he was a great player. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame flags today at half staff. Yeah, I understand that that's what they're doing there, understandably so. Uh, Franco often told the story of the, his, his assignment on the play, as I mentioned, blocking, but he also said that it flashed through his mind while he was running out for the pass. He, uh, Joe Paterno um, always coached him at Penn State and said, follow the ball, follow the ball. Wherever you think the ball is going to be, get there. And it's also, speaking of irony, today – is the late Joe Paterno's birthday. Joe Paterno was born on this date 1996 years ago. Uh, and it's so, again, bitterly iconic, uh, or ironic, I should say, that right. uh, Franco passes away on his college coach's birthday. Yeah, great point by you, Stan, about not maybe remembering Franco for everything else he did, 12,120 career rushing yards, 100 total touchdowns. I don't think people realize that, right? Not many guys have scored 100 touchdowns in the National Football League. And back then, uh, for the most part, they were playing 14 games for half of his career. So, uh, you know, it was amazing what he accomplished and what he meant to that team. Uh, My sister and I were talking earlier today uh, about this 
uh, and I'm curious to get your input, uh, Stan Saverin, and that is Joe Green, I guess, has been voted as the greatest stealer uh, of all time by various media members and everything when they look back at that organization. Is Franco number two, Stan? That's hard. There have been so many great uh, great players, but I do think, as JT was pointing out, you know, the immaculate reception um, sort of, uh, you know, uh, they lost the next week to the Dolphins in the AFC mm-hmm. Championship game. But that, that one play sort of put them on the map and started the franchise in a different direction. I mean, obviously they made the playoffs that year, uh, you know, to play the Raiders in the first place, but that sort of put them in a different direction and on the pathway, even though they didn't win the first Super Bowl until two years after that. Uh, I think the mere fact that he is the uh, only the second um, uh, member of that group to have his n- uh, number retired, uh, yeah. and people have asked why didn't they do this before? Well, um, the chief, Mr. Art Rooney Sr. and Dan Rooney felt that if you start retiring numbers, where would you stop? I mean, do you retire Lambert but not Ham? Uh, do you retire Mel Blunt? Do you retire Stallworth but not Swan? You know, where do you stop? And so they decided, uh, you know, not to do it at all for the most part. But the mere fact that they were going to honor Franco uh, with retiring his jersey number, I think that kind of does tell you he's number two. Stan, we've been asking that question for years. When does it end? And I think it hurts some of the former Steeler players that don't get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Because if you put them all in, and rightfully so, I mean, they won four Super Bowls back in those glory days of the Steel Curtain. But my my real question to you is this, because unlike the way it is today with general managers and strategic officers and whatnot, Terry Bradshaw, Rocky Blyer, Frankie Harris, you can go, you can keep going down the list all the way down to Mel Blunt, who gets the credit for assembling these teams? Well, I think it was a collaboration. Um, certainly Chuck Knoll had a great deal to do with it. Um, but uh, Art Rooney Jr., uh, Art Rooney Sr.'s son, Dan Rooney's brother, was the head of scouting back in those days. There was a guy who just recently went into the Hall of Fame in a contributor's uh, role, Bill Nunn. Uh, Bill Nunn was the one who scouted the traditionally black colleges and universities. Um, he's the one who found John Stallworth. He's the one who found Donnie Schell. He's the one who found L.C. Greenwood, who's not in the Hall of Fame and probably ought to be. Um, and, and so it was a collaboration of a bunch of people um, at, at, at the top at that time um, that, you know, scouted and brought all these players together. Uh, and, of course, with the input of Chuck Knoll, and his great coaching ability. Do you believe, as I said, that maybe Elsie Greenwood's not in the Hall of Fame because they look at it and say, well, we've got enough guys from that era in right now. Do you think it hurt I think him? So. I think you know, so. I do. The, the, the consensus around here, JT, is that, yeah, there's somewhat of a Steeler fatigue. You know, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Now, that, you know, didn't continue because, you know, since that time, we've seen guys like Dermotti Dawson go in, uh, you know, and players like that. Uh, but from the, the, the dynasty years, um, they're an awful Andy Russell is another one who maybe deserves Hall of Fame consideration, but because he wasn't as, if you will, famous as a Lambert or a Ham, mm-hmm. um, maybe he got left out because they said, you know, enough is enough. Uh, right. You know, there, there are still human beings voting for other human beings, and so maybe they said, we got enough Steelers for the time being. Heinz Ward comes to mind, right, Kenny? Well, yeah, I think he deserves. He's got. Uh, you can combine the stats of Stallworth and Swan, and I don't think they equal Heinz Ward. He won two Super Bowls too, so he's another guy I think that gets overlooked often. 
uh, you know, when you, you see these final, to, you know, tallies. And JT and Stan, you know this. Going back, I just totaled it up. Ten players and the head coach from, uh, you know, the dynasty era. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about 11 prominent individuals. And if you want to throw in the owner, too, that makes 12. So you got 12 people, so that's probably why, as you pointed out with, uh, you know, why it took Donnie Shell so long to get in. And Andy Russell, you could make an argument for him. L.C. Greenwood, I agree with you, deserves to be in as well. So, um, you know, that that's why I, I think uh, they've stopped putting the, the dynasty guys in because now you've got Ben Roethlisberger's the next clear-cut one. Right, Stan? I mean, there's no doubt he's going to be in the Hall of Fame as a Steeler. Yeah, I wouldn't say. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. Um, uh, you know, you never know about the class that he'll be in with. But, yeah, as of right now, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, you could actually go to 13 because both Art and Dan Rooney okay. uh, are in the Hall of Fame. They, you know, they were, Art was one of the uh, first uh, as, a, as a franchise owner, uh, his son Dan, because he presided over the dynasty years. I mentioned Bill Nunn, you know, guys like that. Um, Bill Cower. Uh, you know, got in. I would think that, you know, uh, you won't like this, but I, I, I wonder if Bill Cower got in, if Mike Tomlin doesn't get in when his days are done. Um, you know, their resumes are similar. Uh, yep. But I, I do think that, the, I, with the exception of of, of Lambert, uh, excuse me, of uh, Andy Russell uh, and of Elsie Greenwood, I think they probably, you know, they probably run the course of the players from the dynasty years. Stan Savern is our guest, godfather of Pittsburgh Sports, 970 ESPN. Follow him at Stan. Love the show on Twitter. Stan, um, Franco Harris not only impacted the organization when he played, but after he retired, and Chuck, no, I, I still hate him for the comment he made about, uh, you know, Franco who uh, during that uh, year when he held out and everything, that, that burns my gears, and the same with Bradshaw. I guess there are a few things there, but that's the way Chuck was, but he comes back, and he was always known as a Steeler. A lot of people don't even know he played for Seattle uh, for half a season and everything. What did he mean to the community, not just the franchise, but coming back in Pittsburgh, super donuts, creating jobs, and being an ambassador for the city and for the NFL, and you see that statue of the Immaculate Reception when you come into the airport? Well, uh, he, um, yeah, I mean, people here don't even count the Seattle the fiasco. Right. That's what it ended up being. It was one of Franco's great regrets. It was one of Dan Rooney's great regrets, too. He talks about that a great deal. His greatest regret um, is, is that contract situation. Um, and by the way, for the record, the Steelers did offer Franco a brand-new contract, even though they didn't have to. He was already under contract. But he was so visible in so many charitable organizations. He was out and about almost every night of the year, appearing at various functions, most of them uh, charitable. He was a great ambassador, uh, and Franco just had this presence about him. When Franco entered the room, um, everybody stopped. Uh, he, 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 had, he had that iconic face. I mean, it just was a face that um, everybody knew. Um, you know, everybody uh, was aware of who he was. He, he carried sort of a regal bearing about him. That when he did enter a room, everybody stopped and looked, and oh, Franco's here. Um, he carried himself with a countenance and a grace. Uh, he appeared at uh, so many functions uh, and and did so many things behind the scenes. And as I say, um, he was in love with Pittsburgh. Um, naturally, any athlete that has success in a franchise area 
and chooses to live his life after his playing career, it makes sense. Um, you know, in business ventures, you know, he's earned a reputation there. It would help him in his future you know, endeavors in business. So it made sense for Franco, who's from New Jersey, to stay in right. Pittsburgh. But the one thing that always struck me about Franco, guys, is that he stayed here in Pittsburgh, but he belonged here. He was a Pittsburgh kind of guy. He was a Pittsburgh type of guy. Uh, he just belonged here. He fit in here. That's why everybody accepted him. He, it just like he, it was a perfect place for him to play, and it was a perfect place for him to retire and live the rest of his life as short as it ended up being. He just belonged here. Well said, Stan Savern. We appreciate the time on uh, what is a sad day, and I know a busy day for you. Thanks for making time for us, as you always do, my friend. Uh, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks before that finale between uh, uh, the current version of the Steelers and the Browns. All right, pal? Absolutely, Kenny. Thanks for having me. Stan Savern, the godfather of Pittsburgh sports, spending a few minutes with us. Uh, good perspective on what Franco meant to the team, the city, uh, and to the National Football League.